Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope everyone's enjoying their day so far. It's a really pretty day here in New York City. Uh, but don't get used to it because on Tuesday the snow's coming in. But come to think of it, when it snows, it's bright and sunny, so I don't mind that. Uh, actually, I'm from upstate New York, for those of you who don't know it. Uh, and they call it the Southern Tier, a small city by the name of Elmira, so I'm used to the snow. But uh, here we are, as always, armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. And, uh, you know, there is so much that happened this week uh, in America that uh, and we've got some great guests today. Uh, but let me start by <laughs> just mentioning a few topics before we get to the guests. And again, great guests. Uh, so you're flying on an airplane. It's a Boeing 737 MAX 9. And all of a sudden, the door blows out. Uh, someone referred to it as kind of one of the walls of the airplane blows out. Now, I want to tell you that not only did the pilot and the first captain have their headsets blown off, the door to the cockpit was uh, blown open, and uh, a young man uh, had a shirt on that was ripped off him, and thank God no one was sitting in the seat right next to where the door blew open. But it brings to mind the issue of Boeing and the fact that over the last 12 years, they have had 12 major equipment problems. And here's the frustration, folks. Boeing on this particular airplane, uh, Alaska Airlines, apparently had noticed because the pressurization light was going off, the cabin pressure was going off. So you know what they decided? They decided, you know, we're not going to fly this plane over water. We're not so sure what this is all about. We'll just fly it over land. As if, if the door blows off of a plane over land, you got a better shot of surviving. If it weren't for the fact that they were within the first 10 minutes of the flight and everybody had their seatbelt on, they were only fifteen or 16,000 feet up, uh, you know, we would have lost a lot of people had they taken their seatbelts off. And think about it. Had they started the drinks, you know, then the bottles might have been flying, cans would have been flying. Uh, and if you had a baby in your lap, uh, you know, God forbid, I don't even want to talk about the consequences. But what they're now saying is that, you know, they'll be better about this stuff and they're going to they're going to take care of it. But then four days later this week, the pressurization light goes off and United then has to make an emergency landing after the light indicating a door problem turns on. And that is five days after what happened with Alaska Air. But our Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, says the FAA has this in hand. No, they don't. And they're not doing a great job. Because the fact that Boeing has these continuing problems, and but for the grace of God, we would have lost people. Uh, you know, the, the, the warning signs were there. It's called negligence, duty, breach. They had noticed. And you know what? They decided the plane that had the door blown out, they said, we'll fix it when it lands. 
This is before the door blew out. So they had noticed they had warning. Now, that's just one of the messes going on in the country this week. Uh, and then, of course, we had the zoo with Judge Angeron uh, telling Donald Trump uh, he can't make a closing statement in his own civil case. And then he must have gotten a lot of phone calls and he changed his mind and he gave uh, former President Trump five minutes and uh, to make a closing statement. And just based on total speculation, he ups the ante and says, you know what, you're not, you're not in the, uh, I'm not going to uh, make the finding here of $250 million. If I make a finding at all, it'll be for $370 million. And Hunter Biden's back in court, uh, in the court for a uh, nine-count indictment, three felonies, six misdemeanors. Uh, and his mama, Jill, says, those horrible Republicans, what they're doing to my son is awful. No, Jill, what your son did to himself and to his family when your husband was vice president running around the world sucking up cash we've got some great guests this morning. We've got Colonel David Hunt, who's going to talk about the latest strike on the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, and then we've got Michael Davis, who's going to talk about the Donald Trump situation. And we have a phenomenal guest, Shelby Steele. The man is brilliant. You're going to love him. He's going to talk a little bit about, you know, the after effects of what happened with Claudine why Claudine Gay was even an issue, and what is the story with DEI. So that's all coming up on the show this morning. Going to be a great show. Uh, and never forget, by the way, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Please honor it by donating just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. And up next here on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with Shelby Steele coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Judge Janine Show. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. All right, everyone, we're back with a great guest. He is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute, Stanford University. He is a doctor. Uh, he is, I think, an absolutely brilliant man. I'm thrilled to have him on the show. Uh, his last book is called Shame. Uh, he has a very interesting take on the Claudine Gay situation and where we are with diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. Uh, his name is Dr. Shelby Steele. Dr. Steele, good morning, and thank you for being with us. Doctor, you know, after everything that went on with Claudine Gay at Harvard University uh, and the claim by people like Al Sharpton that Claudine Gay was a victim of racism, uh, are we are, are we going to start to see uh, a a reduction in in DEI as a as as a mandate for hiring people, or is it just going to go up on steroids now? <laughs> uh, well, there may be a there may be an intense fight uh, over it, but I think this this. Uh, Sort of broke the dike. Uh, Where it's it's lost its glow, its reputation. It's we see now that what we thought was something that uh, would achieve the good uh, was itself a corruption. 
DEI is truly a corruption. It, it reduces everybody to their race and then sort of puts them on a puzzle board and manipulates them around. Uh, it's dehumanizing. It's racist inherently in itself. Uh, and I think now for the first time, the the entire country is going to get a look at it. What it, It's going to have a face. Claudine Gay is just one of many people who uh, uh, are associated with, with uh, DEI at this point. You know, it's very interesting when you, you, you say that DEI now has a face. You're absolutely right in the in the face of Claudine Gay. You know, but uh, the, the issue is skin color. To them, skin color is the test of truth and righteousness. And that if you are forced to resign as a white professor like Liz McGill at Penn because you don't think that calling for the genocide of Jews is a violation of the code of conduct at Harvard or, or at Penn, um, you know, that it, it's not about that. It's, it's about the color of your skin. And it's almost as though it is a protection and it is a prophylactic that, you know, you can you're free to do whatever you want. And I think that it's divisive, uh, given the fact that, you know, people are saying, no, this isn't fair. The Supreme Court has recently ruled against affirmative action. I mean, are we in a different period now? I hope we are. I, I think, I think we're moving in that direction. The, the perniciousness of using race, actually what, what DUI does is reduce race to an, an ability. We we hired, Claudine Gray Gay, excuse me, was hired uh, because of the color of her skin, as if the color of her skin was a talent, was an ability to to bring something to the university that uh, was not there before, that it was going to make America, you know, a greater society, more integrated, and so forth. And so. You hire minorities for their race sort of standing in as an ability. And that, I think, is, is what's been punctured. It's a corruption. It's the exact opposite. It's, it's, it brings the institution down. And uh, the, the amazing part of it, Dr. Shelby Steele, and I don't mean to interrupt you because I, I love listening to you, is that uh, when people like Joy Reid and Ibram Pendy say that it's open war on black progress, I mean, there are people who buy into that, who buy into the fact that color protects you no matter what. Um, and that is that that is divisive. And, and I want to segue now to that's the same you, thing that uh, the white slave owner did. <laughs> yeah, no, said. Uh, I <laughs> but but doctor, when when you talk about uh, the, the divisiveness, Joe Biden at the AME church talked about um, the fact that there was a white shooter who sh who shot all of those um, blacks, which was a horrible, horrible situation. Um, and, and he made it as though that's a picture of America today. Does the Democrat Party benefit from that? I don't think so. Uh, I think they're, they're hurt by that um, because I don't, I don't think the public is intimidated quite in the same way that it was. Um, America is, is maturing, is, is 
we we came to a place where race was so jammed down the throats of Americans, all of the major institutions, the corporate world and so forth, that we really thought there was something there. Uh, I think situations like the one you just mentioned make the point that it's not. There is nothing there. Mm-hmm. The the larger truth, and this was true back in the day of the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King, and it's true today, is that race is absolutely always, when it is introduced into any situation, a poison. Mm-hmm. It hurts everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. gets hurt. This all of America is, is drugged down by this this silly fight. This is the Judge Janine Show. When we are a society that is supposed to learn how irrelevant skin color is to your humanity. Uh, and yet we keep sort of figuring out, well, we'll just use it here and and we'll fix this little problem with it and we'll no. It's 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 one of those absolutisms. Uh it is a poison. You know, Dr. Shelby Steele, when when you talk about that, you look at America and I think America has matured. They, I mean, you look at any family, you look at you look at friends, you look at people going out to dinner, you look at any 7-Eleven, you look at any every nobody sees that anymore. And it, it's almost shocking when it is brought out that, you know, the white oppressor and, and, and the black, the blacks are always the victim. And, you know, it's even in the criminal justice system that that's backwards that the the criminals are the oppressed and and the victim is invisible everything is backwards today it it is a it is a socialism is it marxism what is this well it's a grab for power um hmm. when in the 60s when america acknowledged the wrong of slavery and segregation and so forth it became morally culpable and vulnerable. And anybody could walk in the door and say, you're a racist. And exercise power. Get yes. People could be hired and fired. Uh, deals could be made. All, it, it became a real power. Uh, Kendi and these other people have, have uh, found that white people are gullible. They, and they are, to their credit, embarrassed mm-hmm. by our racist past. And yes. they're, well, what should I do? I'll put up a lawn sign about BLM in my front yard. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do anything to get out from under that judgment mm-hmm. of racism. Um, and that's when we begin, America begins to sell itself out and begins to, dis- we, its belief in its own, Higher principles weakens, and and we've pretty much ruined our education system mm-hmm. by by lessening, weakening its its uh, uh, effectiveness in in educating young people. The um, uh, you know, Doctor Steele, you you give me, you know, you give me faith, you give me hope. Uh, that we can get past this. And you're right. All you have to do is call someone a racist and all of a sudden, you know, you have power over them. Whether it is, you know, they they get canceled or they get shunned or whatever it might be. It is a very, very uh, difficult thing. Uh, But at the same time, it's almost lost, 
you know, its meaning in the last couple of years because everybody's a racist. So um, in your book, Shame, do you talk about that issue? Yes, it's, it's, that's sort of the premise of it is that the, the people have transformed shame into power. It, we're, our, our past is, um, in terms of race is shameful. Well, okay, I, and particularly as a black, I can say, well, uh, this is proof that racism has is, is, uh, been an evil and the corruption in American life, and now you owe me this and, and you owe me that, and I can get all kinds of, of benefits and preferences and so forth, affirmative action, uh, uh, DEI and so forth. Uh, yep. I have yep. power, and uh, Claudine, if if Claudine Gay was was white, she would never be the president of Harvard University. Wow. Uh, the fact that she was black, woman being a woman counts too, but the real power is in the race. She was black, and mm-hmm. she's the president of Harvard. Wow, everybody's <laughs> humbled. Doctor uh, Shelby Steele. Nothing. I have to tell you, Dr. Seal, uh, we're out of time here. Everybody, you have to Google Dr. Shelby Steele uh, and and get his book, Shame. I mean, the man is brilliant. Dr. Steele, I'll say it while you're on the air. I love having you on the show. I hope we can have you on again. Uh, you know, there is, it's a real issue and you're right. There is a lot of guilt about what happened in our history. It was a very shameful time. The question is, you know, when, when do we let it go? Yes. All right. Dr. Shelby Steele, thank you for being with us. And uh, we'll hope to talk to you soon again. And never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. And up next on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with Colonel David Hunt about what the heck is going on in the Middle East and what's with the Houthis. Who are they anyway? Stay with us. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. And welcome back to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us is a guest that you've heard many times before. You've also seen him on Fox, Colonel David Hunt. Uh, you know all about him. He's the real deal. Uh, he has been in charge of as many as 30,000 men. Uh, he doesn't like me talking about it. He's got all kinds of awards. He doesn't like me talking about that either. He wrote a bunch of books. Uh, but this morning I want to talk to uh, Colonel David Hunt about the Houthis. The Houthis in Yemen. Okay, so this week on Thursday night, we find out that after how many attacks, the United States, along with the UK and a few other people, decide to go after the Houthis. Now, the Houthis are from Yemen, and tell us why it was, uh, why it, would, it took so long, number one, and what impact, if any, going after them will have. Yeah, and good morning. Uh- so the Houthis are terrorist organization. They're also Shia religion based. <laughs> They're in northeast Yemen. Uh, we first heard about them as uh, about five, six years ago, when they took over the capital city of Yemen, which is Sana'a. The Saudis didn't like it, so the Saudis went after the Houthis. 
that had a war with Houthis, still are for about five years. U.S. has backed the Saudis against the Houthis, and Iran is fully backed the Houthis, training equipment, etc. Um, but we didn't care much about it because it wasn't bothering us. Since the war it is with Israel and Gaza, uh, the Houthis have begun shelling, uh, attacking, using missiles against uh, military and merchant shipping in the Red Sea, mm-hmm. which dumps out of the Suez Canal, which is the most important waterway in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, we've had the U- U.S. destroyers and British destroyers knocking missiles down, being fired out of Yemen by the Iranian-backed Houthis. <clears throat> we got, uh, this past week, three different boats um, were attacking, unbelievably, a U.S. destroyer. We blew them out of the water with a couple of helicopters. Um, and then, yeah, yesterday, yesterday, yesterday the Houthis... Uh, fired on and hit a merchant ship. Um, mm-hmm. And what the return was, the U.S. and the Brits uh, attacked Houthi launch sites in Yemen. Okay. The big All right. Problem, so the, the problem with this, nobody cares about this except it widens the war going on between the uh, Israel and Hamas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, this route uh, that that you mentioned, uh, the Red Sea that dumps out of the Suez Canal, I mean, it's a crucial shipping route for up to 20 percent of the world's shipping uh, actually goes through this this uh, route. And now, as you say, it appears that the regional war is getting even wider. But let me ask you this. Why, if the Houthis are Iran-backed, Hezbollah, Hamas, they're all, why is, why aren't we going after Iran? If Iran is providing the weapons, the oil, the money to the Houthis and all these other people, what makes us think that by deterring a proxy or hitting them, uh, that we're going to stop Iran from continuing to fund them? Well, we're not going to stop Iran unless we attack Iran. Uh, we're trying to avoid that because widens the war. Um, there's a political cost to this. It widens the war. The price of oil goes up. Probably affect uh, Biden's campaign more than it would Trump's campaign. Interesting. There's that part. Uh, there's also a big reluctance to uh, to uh, make it a bigger war. Sure. And politicians and generals normally never make decisions fast. And so this one we've gotten pushed into, uh, and it's not going to be... It, what we've done with the Brits um, hasn't, isn't going to stop the Houthis or Iran. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do some damage in Iran, cruise missiles, dropping bridges or something to get the Iranians' attention because Iran now is using proxies with Gaza, in Lebanon with Hezbollah, in the West Bank, and, of course, with the Houthis in Yemen. So the source of this part of this regional war is, uh, is Iran, mm-hmm. period. And the other part of it, is, of course, is Israel and Gaza.
Right. Well, uh, I, you know, I Joe, look, Joe Biden, I mean, to the extent he's with the program, he's clearly risk averse to going after Iran. Uh, but at the same time, there are so many other things we can do, Colonel David Hunt, like we can uh, have we released the six billion dollars we gave for the hostages. And I mean, we can stop maybe the oil, uh, allowing them to sell oil on the international uh, market. Um, you know, there are other things that we can do financially to hurt them. We can increase that. We we do not have a very good track record. We just did this same type of concept, and I agreed with it at the time, uh, with Russia and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And the world and Russia ran around our, all of our money restrictions. Uh, I don't think it's enough. I, I think that they have... We've got Iran now. We've shot at U.S. soldiers 128 times. Really? Uh, That's what the number is. Uh, 128. Yeah, it's gone. It keeps going up. And the point, the problem, point is, we've done very little. And that's Iran. That's Iranian-based terrorists out of Syria and Iraq, but mostly Syria. Mm -hmm. We 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 killed uh, a terrorist leader. All I'm getting at is Iran is is throwing is hurting throwing missiles and bullets at us, period, and other other countries um, through their proxies, and everything else we've tried has not worked. It, it's more than time to get directly at Iran. Iran doesn't want to screw with us either, by the way. Well, let's uh, think about it, Colonel. Holmes, I, I, let's think about it. When Trump hit Soleimani. Uh, in New York, uh, in Iraq, you know, then Iran was quiet for a while. Then Biden comes in and, you know, now they're, they're, you know, everybody knows the guy is, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, that's not a fair statement, but I mean, they knew with Trump, you don't fool around with him. And now the whole world's on fire. Well, I, <laughs> you can disagree. I, Go ahead. Know, Colonel Hunt. <laughs> That, that that is that is a great oversimplification, but yeah. uh, clearly the, 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 our terrible reaction and the way we pulled out of Afghanistan certainly made us look awful. Uh, I don't think that Biden being president has squat to do with what happened in Israel because that was an Israeli failure of intelligence and preparation, period. Yes, but so the that, fact that we've had... There are things growing out of that, right? That war that are not related to Biden, but clearly the leader of the free world, who recently lost touch with his Secretary of Defense. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a okay. second. Oh yeah, and, and now we, you know, kind of an important time to be knowing where everybody is. All right, but Colonel um, Hunt, is a, look, it can be a, an easy, tar- a clear target. There's no question. Okay, a hundred and twenty-eight times they've gone after our men and women in Iraq and Syria. What the hell are we doing in Iraq and Syria? Why are yeah. we even well, there? We're sitting well, ducks for that. Our, our, our main mission in Syria and Iraq is hunting ISIS. Um, that's why we, that, and period. So we've okay. got bases, air bases that we're using it's normally Delta and the, and the Rangers in support, sometimes other divisions like the 10th Mountain Division, but we're hunting ISIS. Is where, that, that's the mission there. Okay, but I got to go back to the Trump thing, okay? <laughs> there may be an oversimplification. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. A shock. 
It may be yeah. an oversimplification, but we could just go in there. We could hit Iran. We could knock out their refineries or their bridges or whatever, take some money and get the hell out of there. I mean, this is. Well, yes. We, well, okay. We can do a one day attack. I mean, Trump got to do that with Syria. He did it. He went in. It was a strategic strike. He went in. He told Russia about it. He said, we're going after the chemical weapons plant. He got out and everybody was like, oh, boy, I'm not playing around with Donald Trump. We we totally agree. But I I, nobody believes that you're going to be able to go in and out with um, Iran could be a lot. It's much, much different than Syria. Okay, it's more it's more complicated. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't do it. I'm just telling you, it's not that it's not a quick and easy thing to get done um, because Iran can directly affect um, uh, commerce, the yeah. price of oil, shipping, right. et cetera. So all I'm getting at is not as that simple. Um, we we get to throw all the punches we want to throw, but the bad guy always gets to respond. Right. You're right. And, but and that's we, the issue. Iran has a bigger response capability. Again, and they're my, close to I a was, nuclear I, weapon if they don't have it already. Right. So <laughs> I don't think it's as simple as what happened in Syria, which was a good move during the Trump administration. Yeah, um, I do. Uh, but I, that doesn't mean to say if Trump became president, it, he wouldn't do something. I think something should be done. I think it should be done directly. Yeah. All <laughs> um, right. So, Colonel David Hunt, I want to thank you for being on the <laughs> Donald to Towers Foundation show. And uh, we'll probably have you back to continue the fight. Uh, but take care of yourself. Yeah, and I hope you get a lot of snow in, 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 uh, in Maine just for that. Not as long as Biden's president. It's his fault. <laughs> take care, Colonel Hunt. And never forget. That's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2.org. This is the Judge Janine Show. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We have a great guest. You've heard from him before. He is a man of great substance, Mike Davis. He is a former chief counsel for the nominations committee to the Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley. He is the founder and president of the Article 3 Project, which defends constitutionalist judges and the rule of law. Uh, He also leads the Internet Accountability Project, an advocacy organization fighting the rain in big tech, et cetera, et cetera. All you need to know is he's really smart, folks, and he knows of what he speaks. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us again. So this past week, Donald Trump was told in that civil case with that lunatic judge, Mike Engeron, that uh, he couldn't make a closing statement. And then I just get the sense, Mike Davis, that somebody called and said, you have just guaranteed yourself a reversal. Let the man make a closing statement in that civil case. So uh, the judge allows former President Trump to make a closing statement, five minutes, and then, you know, basically says, you know, time's up. Talk to me about that. Well, this judge is obviously biased. As you said, Judge Arthur Ingeron 
is a Democrat donor. He's a Democrat judge. His law clerk, who he has sitting on the bench next to him, is a Democrat operative. Right. And you had you have this New York Attorney General Tish James who campaigned on the fact that she's going to get Trump, and they brought these bogus fraud charges against Trump for the non-fraud of a businessman paying back back sophisticated Wall Street banks on time as agreed in full with interest. And somehow that is fraud, right? And so this judge couldn't even wait till the trial ended to make his fraud ruling. He just decreed before the trial even started, before any witnesses or any other evidence, the judge just said that Trump somehow committed fraud. He entered summary judgment, which is insane because, as you know, Judge, there was disputed material facts. There were there was disputed evidence for the yep. trial to, to determine, and the judge just skipped all that. It just shows you what a buffoon this guy is, that he couldn't even hide his bias right. until after the trial ended. So right. he has he's going to get reversed on that issue alone. And mm-hmm. then their argument, Tish James's argument, is that Mar-a-Lago is only worth 18 to $25 million because <laughs> that's what the Palm Beach tax assessor says it's worth. Well, that's for to, to protect taxpayers, landowners down in Florida. It's not what it's actually worth. Mar-a-Lago is 20 acres of the most prime real estate in the world. It's the only – I think it's the only – piece of property in Palm Beach that touches both the intracoastal waterway yep. and the Atlantic Ocean, a tennis court at Mar-a-Lago is worth 25, more than $25 million. This is insane. Well, you know, Mike Davis, the the, the judge who made this fan finding and, and said that the former president, Trump, is liable for fraud, uh, didn't hide his bias. I mean, it was really, it, it was a kangaroo court. But to, to the proliferation of his hate of Donald Trump was visible to everyone when he went from a Tish James's demand for a disgorgement of $250 million uh, to $370 million based on nothing more than speculation. How does that happen? Well, I mean, you're a judge. You were a judge. You know that how these proceedings are supposed to work, and you know how egregiously wrong these proceedings are against Trump. There's like a Trump derangement exception to the Constitution and all these laws, and this is part of the Democrats' lawfare. They impeached him twice for nonsense. They indicted him four times for non-crimes. They've illegally gagged him twice. Uh, And they're trying to bankrupt his business of 50 years for non-fraud. That's all backfiring. You see the American people rallying behind Trump. Trump's going to beat Biden like a drum on November 5th, 2024. Ah. He's going to beat Biden by a drum, Mike Davis. But I, you know, I've been saying for a long time, Biden's not going to be the candidate. I mean, you know, Gavin Newsom hasn't been dancing around the stage, uh, you know, to be forgotten. Something's going to happen at the convention. I could be wrong. I mean, I have no facts upon which to base this other than my instinct. And, uh, you know, and it's getting worse now. uh, Mike Davis, uh, uh, Hunter Biden is scheduled to go to trial, I think, in June. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to cut some kind of a plea deal. And what do you think? There's no chance that Hunter Biden is going to be held accountable. <laughs> and they, they, this David Weiss, David Weiss, this U.S. attorney, right. 
in Delaware has been protecting Hunter Biden for years. And people say he was the Trump U.S. attorney. I was the chief counsel for nominations. I handled his nomination. He is the hand-pitched U.S. attorney from both Democrat, Democrat U.S. senators in Delaware. That's how the process works in the Senate. The senators, home state senators get a pick. The U.S. attorney who would prosecute them, the district court judge who would uh, run their conviction trial, and the U.S. marshal who would escort them to prison. And that has been the tradition in the Senate for over 100 years. He is a, David Weiss is a Democrat pick. Thank, you know what, Mike, I don't mean to interrupt you. Thank you so much for making that clear. Every state gets a chance to, what is it, the blue slip? Um, and the, the Democrats get one, the Republicans get one, and then the president uh, agrees. I mean, it happens all the time. Trump didn't pick, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. This guy, David Weiss, uh, you know, allowed the statute of limitations to pass on the most serious years where the highest income uh, would have been documented and it would have opened up the issue of the corruption and the influence peddling in 2014 and 2015 and they allowed the statute of limitations to run i mean you're a lawyer i mean i'm a lawyer and a judge i mean this is just corruption it's crazy yeah, and here's the deal. We don't care about Hunter Biden and his hookers and blow. We care about the president of the United States. The sitting president of the United States is almost certainly compromised by tens of millions of dollars in foreign bribes and other corruption from China, from Russia, from Ukraine, from Kazakhstan. It seems like every trouble spot around the world had the Biden family on their payroll. Every Biden family member, it seems, except for the six-year-old granddaughter who they finally acknowledged after six years of political yeah, pressure. Yeah, after the press the beat tank. them. Yeah. It's, and you have to explain, how did these Bidens who, had, who did no work end up getting millions of dollars in their bank accounts? James Comer, the House Oversight Chairman, has the bank records. He has the the suspicious activity reports from the banks. He knows, uh, you, you, how do you dispute that? There's money that goes from the CCP, for example, to these shell companies controlled by the Bidens, and then it goes in to the Biden family members' bank accounts. How do you get around that? That is obviously foreign bribery. It's obviously corruption. Do you think that China is stupid enough to <laughs> hire Joe Biden and Hunter Biden because they're brilliant? No, it's because they're buying influence. But, but you know, it's interesting. Was it Slavchesky, the head of Burisma, who said that Hunter wasn't that smart? Who said it? It was, it was documented that he said that, yeah, that, that was, he wasn't that smart. I don't know if it was the guy from Burisma or one of them was like, you know, we're paying them, but the, Hunter's not that smart. Um, and, and plus the guy was, he was doing drugs all the time. But, you know, it's amazing how the mainstream media goes against uh, the, the indictment and they blame it on the Republicans. And, you know, Joe and Mika, Mika says, you know, those horrible Republicans, they're, how does your family survive but didn't joe biden create the opportunity for his son to do this and and you look at menendez they're on the foreign relations committee and they you know they get contact with these foreign countries and they bring in cash or gold bars as it relates to menendez yeah i mean what joe biden did to his son is pretty bad he knows his 
Hunter Biden is a drug addict and he's a loser. And he uh, Joe Biden made Hunter Biden the bag man for the Biden crime family. He's the one uh, who put his son out there and made him go, you know, collect all this money. And Hunter has there are text messages and other messages where Hunter's complaining about how his dad is putting him out there to go do all the work for the Biden crime family. And remember, 10 percent of the big guy. It's very clear that Joe Biden was very involved in this corruption, including when Joe Biden was the sitting vice president of the United States. Mike Davis, we always love hearing from you. We thank you so much for joining us on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. You have a great day this Sunday. Take care. Thank you, Judge. All right, everyone. We had great guests today. A lot of important topics. Uh, I can't believe we're out of time already. Uh, a lot going on in the world. You really need to stay tuned to what's going on in the news and make sure that you stay safe. Uh, I want you to join us back here next Sunday, same time, same place, same me, for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Take care, everyone, and take care of yourselves. Have a great day.